Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, good evening, everybody. Um, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Um, Tim, would you open us up in a word of prayer? Lord, as we come before you this evening, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to be in your house and the songs we're able to sing and um, in this new study that we're embarking on tonight. Let's just be with John as he leads it and just uh, give him wisdom as he delivers um, the lesson here. Help us better be attentive and to see what you have in it for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <coughs> All right, yes, yeah, so we're on a new series. And it looks pretty exciting. Also going to learn some Greek. No, I'm just kidding. This is a, kind of a new format here to try to save some time so we can get through our material. I've moved away from the Pictionary because some people yes, have a hard time figuring out what my drawing. So, so we're going to do, I was inspired by mom. Oh, got her attention. Quiddler. So I got like a quiddler clue here. So this is our first hint, which is going to be that word, but all the letters are mixed up. So, uh, so that's what we got going on there. Uh, so first, let's go ahead. Um, it's going to read the back of the book. Kind of gives us an overview of kind of what we'll be going through. Um, so yeah, our new our new book is Facing Goliath: Dare to Engage in Spiritual Battle. Um, <clears throat> So, yeah, kind of an introduction to the entire book. It says, Goliath was not only a, a giant David faced, uh, a man of many roles. Um, Goliath was not the only giant David faced, a man of many roles, shepherd, warrior, servant, friend, leader, father, king. David experienced both victory and defeat, triumph and disaster, and yet perhaps the most telling summary of his life is God's own one-line biography, A Man After Mine Own Heart. In this 13-lesson curriculum, discover how you, too, can face your giants in the strength of the Lord. The arena for courage does not always lie in a faraway battlefield. Sometimes it stands in your own backyard, like David, dare to engage your everyday battles with confidence in the resources of God. So, yeah, this is facing the things that uh, we deal with as Christians. So this, this first lesson is dare to answer God's call. Um, then we have dare to take on giants, dare to serve the king, dare to be a leader, dare to listen to the wise counsel, dare to be a real friend, dare to love your enemies, dare to stay clean, dare to accept correction. Ooh. So there's some, there's some hard ones in here. Dare to raise your children for God, dare to be meek, dare to show the way for others, Dare to walk with God. So our first lesson is dare to answer God's call. So we'll be looking a lot in First Samuel. Um, so introduction here. God is constantly calling His people to serve Him, but many people do not hear or heed His call. And if we have some help reading the verses, oh, I forgot to see if this first one, intro one, was in there. We'll just go around the room. Kind of, we'll go, Dad, Abby. S, Tim, uh, Mrs. Reader, Mr. Reader, Mom. Do you go Katie, Andy? Okay, so we go. Skip, Mom. Okay, Mom doesn't have a classes, so we'll skip to Katie. Oh, that's all right. So we'll keep everybody awake and involved. And uh, I you know, stole Dad's color coding idea. I can make some bright colors, keep our eyes like. And, uh, and Abby liked it too, so. So, all right, so Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Dad, could you read that? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. All right, so David was one who answered the call of God time after time from his youth to the end of his life. He listened to and obeyed God's directive. In this lesson, we'll see from David's life how a call from God should be answered. So, first one, David's what? Oh, got it. All right. So. Preparation. 
David's preparation. Throughout the Bible, we see vivid illustrations of God having a prepared place for a prepared person. Every man who was mightily used by God, men like Joseph, Moses, and the Apostle Paul, went through a preparatory stage before engaging in ministry. Joseph's time of preparation was filled with trials. He was sold into slavery by his brothers and condemned to prison for a crime he did not commit, but eventually he was promoted to second in the kingdom. Joseph's answer to all of his trials was simply, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring it to pass, as it is this day to save much people alive. Uh, that's Genesis 50, um, verse 20. God used Moses' upbringing in Pharaoh's court in his service to his father-in-law to prepare him for his future and leadership positions. After 80 years of preparation, God finally called Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery. Exodus chapter 3, go ahead and read 9 and 10, Abby. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The Apostles Paul's preparation, so we see there, um, Moses' preparation, but the Apostle Paul's preparation for God's calling began with his salvation. After his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, he waited three days without sight, food, or water before God's call came to him from uh, Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 9. After receiving God's call, he separated himself further to prepare for the call God gave him. Paul himself wrote of this time, a preparation in Galatians chapter 1. So Galatians chapter 1, 17 and 18. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. And after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. We also see a time of preparation in David's life, um, who we were talking about. He's going to be our main focal character in uh, this lesson and other lessons. And as um, he learned these lessons as a son and, a, and as a servant long before he became a, uh, uh, became a sovereign. For a building to stand, it must be prepared with strong foundations. Skyscrapers in particular are known for their strength of their foundations, which allow them to withstand the wind and storms. Uh, for example, the Willis Tower, formerly known as the Sears Tower, is the tallest building in the Western Hemisphere. It is a 110-story building that stands over 1,400 feet tall. To support its massive height, the tower has a cement foundation that is 100 feet deep. Surrounding this foundation are 200 circular caissons, which are set in solid bedrock to provide additional support. I also heard, I forget, some, some preaching was kind of talking about this as well. Um, the palm trees, I think it is, are like as deep as they are tall, the, the root system or something like that. I think I've heard that somewhere. That's based on my memory, which we found out before it wasn't so good. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, so, yep, for, for something big to be built, it needs a solid foundation. So, and although these foundations can't be seen, it is important, it is one of the most important parts of the building. For without the necessary prep preparation of the foundation, the entire building would crumble. In the beginning of David's life was a time used to prepare his heart, the foundation of his life. It was during this time that David acquired the inner strength and integrity to be called a man after God's own heart. Notice two ways David deployed, uh, deployed. David developed as a person during this preparatory stage of his life. He learned and Uh, now we're going to learn some Chinese here. All right. No God. Oh, sorry. Yeah, when I write fast, it's not so good. He learned to know God. 
As we read in the book of Psalms, we quickly realize that David had a deeply personal relationship with his creator. Psalms chapter 8, verse 1. David learned how great God was. There is no doubt that he came to know God well as a, as a young boy, tending his father's flocks in the Judean hillsides. Long before he defeated the mighty Philistine warrior Goliath, long before he crowned as the second king of Israel, David cultivated a heart for God. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, prior to his anointing, David was described as being a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So this part, this forewarning, uh, is one of the more convicting part in the lesson for me. Um, but... So the author goes on to say here, how well do you know God? You likely know about him. You likely have studied his word, but do you actually know him? Um, it gives an example illustration here. Uh, we may know sports figures, their uh, statistics, their age, and even their personal likes and dislikes. And it does amaze me how many people like know so many details about somebody famous, um, and kind of like, you know, like uh, sports teams, and they, they say, you know, they, like, kind of like Dad was talking about, they even incorporate themselves as part of the team, like, you know, we did this and we did that. It's like, you didn't even go to the game. <laughs> you didn't even go to that school. Yeah, it says, but how much people know about, but, but do, but we don't really know that person. We like some of these people we don't we've never even met or said hi to or even seen. But um, but we must beware of saying that we know God in the same sense that we might know a sports celebrity. There's a great difference between knowing about God and actually knowing Him. The first is simple knowledge. The second is developed through a daily walk with Him. David's preparation with God led to his placement by God. All right. Third one is, I'll try to write nicer this time. his gifts. He learned to use his gifts. When we think of David, we think of both a sweet-spirited music musician and a valiant warrior. The Bible points out that David honed these talents as a young boy. Shortly after David's anointing by Samuel, one of Saul's servants brought him to the king, uh, to the king's attention by describing him as a cunning and planning, cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war. First Samuel chapter sixteen, verse eighteen. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. The fact that David uh, sharpened his combat and musician musical skills when he was a young man opened opportunities for him before King Saul uh, later in his life. Long before he met Goliath, David had become proficient using a sling. Long before his music soothed the spirit of Saul, David had developed his skills with the harp. God has given every believer skills and abilities. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16. The man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. It is our responsibility to develop these gifts so that we can be tools fit for the master's hand. The parable given by Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30 clearly illustrates that God will hold us accountable 
uh, for what he has given us. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 28 uh, through 29. I'll read the first verse and we'll read the second one. That'd be great. So take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him that hath ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. If we do not use the talents God has given us, he may take them from us and give another believer the blessing of serving where we were originally called. And we're going to learn some Italian this evening. Actually, we're going to learn how bad I am at pronouncing Italian names. But <clears throat> it is said that the great violinist, and I've never heard of this person, but uh, I've never really played the violin either. So Niccolo Paganini, or Paganini, not sure, somebody correct me if they knew who that is, willed his violin to Genoa, the city of his birth, with one condition, it must never be played. Uh, which I thought this was really interesting, which again, I don't know a whole lot about violins. Um, but I, I do recall hearing something about, like, the older the violin is and the more it's been played, the better it sounds and the more ex you know, expensive it becomes. Um, so in this way, it's become even really even more interesting. Uh, so, so, yeah, the one condition, it must never be played. Unfortunately, the wood from which the instrument was crafted began to decay because it was not regularly handled. Thus, the exquisite violin that once sang beautiful, mellow tunes under Paganini's touch soon began to deteriorate while on display. The once priceless instrument, now worthless, holds a lesson for us. Our gifts are only as valuable as they are used. So we must ask ourselves, what, what gifts has God given to us um, that we, are we developing them, are we using them, or are we just letting them deteriorate and rot? Um, and, and also on that is, maybe we encourage, you know, sometimes uh, as an outsider you can see a and dad's, dad's good at this, at seeing other people's talents and gifts and encourage them to uh, develop that on their own. Because sometimes it's hard to see your own abilities. Um, but yeah, if, if you can see some, some other people, encourage them. Yeah. Encouragement, amazing how far encouragement can go with somebody. All right, point number two. So we got point number one, David's preparation. Subpoint A, you learn to know God. Subpoint B, he learned to use his gifts. Point number two, David's um, this is this is German here. Um, yeah. German word, notisdiad. Or maybe that's more like Arabian or something. <laughs> so we've got, in paro taper, rokanoragon, and see sure she, chokaraj, and notisdiad. So David's starts with a D. Dedication. Dedication. I'm going to figure out how to spell it myself. <laughs> David's dedication. <clears throat> Preparation proves useless unless it is accompanied by dedication. From church attendance to, to reaching the lost, to godly parenting, to hospitality, to caring for those in need, we need to be dedicated to the task God has called us, uh, has called us to. Many people are students of the word, but few are preachers of it. The very purpose of preparation is use. 
Can you imagine David spending hours practicing with his sling, but running when he was confronted with a lion or bear? Can you imagine him honing his musical skills only to turn down the opportunity to play for the king? From the days of David's youth, he exemplified commitment and faithfulness. And the Lord kind of brought kind of a convicting thought to me of um, how much time, effort, and energy we spend. Well, really pointed on me. How much time, energy, and effort I have spent on college um, and just learning um, engineering and all this stuff and, and working really hard at it and uh, to be able to use it and use it in the, the field. Uh, and I have, and I put a lot of effort for that. Why did I do that? Just to be able to use it and get a job doing that and then really using it. How much time have I spent in church learning about the Lord? Why am I like... I really haven't been using that the way I, I should be in the field. I've spent way more time in church than I have in college, yet I use what I've learned in church a lot less. Um, so, uh, yeah, one of those hard-hitting things um, that the Lord kind of really well, sticks it right, right in you, yeah, right in myself. Uh, in his book... A call to excellence, Gary Inrig illustrates the importance of dedication this way. Another Italian word, uh, Bertoldo di Giovanni is a name that even the most enthusiastic lover of art is unlikely to recognize. He was the pupil of Donatello, the greatest sculptor of his time. I did not know that. And he was the teacher of Michelangelo, the greatest sculptor of all time. I know who he is, unfortunately. <laughs> So Michelangelo was only 14 years old when he came to Bertoldo, but it was already obvious that he was enorm enormously gifted. Bertoldo was wise enough to realize that gifted people are often tempted to coast rather than, rather than to grow. And therefore, he kept trying to pressure his young prodigy to work seriously at his art. One day, he came to the studio to find Michelangelo toying with a piece of sculpture far beneath his abilities. Bertoldo grabbed a hammer, stomped across the room, and smashed the works into tiny pieces, shouting this unforgettable message. Michelangelo, talent is cheap. Dedication is costly. All right, subpoint A, he was, let's see what language we're in now. I don't even know here. This might be more German here. Dintillig. Diligent. Diligent on the job. No space there. Let your imagination squash that back together. Uh, David's main responsibility as a boy was shepherding, a career that many would view as lacking in excitement, opportunity for advancement, and useful training. David's own brother scorned him, but David took his job seriously and did it with all of his might. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37, a recounting of past deeds, David's own words attest to the fact that he was not just a figurehead shepherd, he truly protected his sheep. He was willing to put his very life on the line for them in personal combat with a lion and a bear. 1 Samuel chapter 17, 34 through 37. And we'll just read one verse, one verse per person. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And it went out after him and smote him, and delivered it out of its mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine should be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, 
He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Long before his victory over Goliath, David had already learned dedication and diligence. We believers today need to be diligent in performing the tasks entrusted to us. Small or unimportant jobs do, do not exist to God. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. So that, again, there's no small or unimportant jobs uh, to God. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Because David diligently kept his flock of sheep by killing a lion and a bear, God entrusted him with the larger task of keeping the flock of Israel by killing Goliath. God entrusts us with small tasks to train us for the larger tasks in the future. If we prove to be diligent in the least of the things, we'll also be diligent in important tasks to come. So a quote here from Dr. F.B. Meyer, Don't waste your time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. All right, so we have under David's dedication, he was diligent on the job, and B, he was um, yep, fulfilled his responsibilities. Fulfilled his responsibilities. <laughs> So Tim's not the only one peeking at the books. Oh, I think I've got two Fs there. Add another L. And minus one. Okay. Now we're going to have to fix it. That's why I can never spell nuclear, because there should be more letters in nuclear than there actually is. <laughs> anyway, side note. He fulfilled his responsibilities. David's responsibilities to keep sheep and to take food uh, to his brothers were menial tasks. Even his oldest brother, Eliab, Eliab, questioned David's motives for bringing them food. When he said, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. And that's from 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verse 28. Eli must have thought <clears throat> David's responsibilities were too insignificant for even David. However, David remained faithful to his daily tasks. And it was these very tasks that placed him in his most famous battle. Actually, we see a commitment to fulfill the responsibility early in David's life, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 5-11, as Samuel surveyed the sons of Jesse, seeking Israel's next king, David remained at his post, keeping the sheep. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Descend and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he come hither. Later, David was commanded to take cheese, bread, and corn to his brothers. Despite his new responsibility, he did not abandon his current responsibility of caring for his sheep. Rather, he found a caretaker for the sheep in his abs absence. 1 Samuel chapter 17, 17 through 20, verse 17 says, And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves to run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning, and left the sheep with a keeper, and took and went, 
as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench at, as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. When God calls someone to serve uh, him as a Sunday school teacher, choir member, usher, or bus worker, this does not mean that he relinquishes his responsibility in areas such as personal walk with God or caring for his own family. And how often do we see uh, that happen, especially like in high-pressure uh, ministry jobs? Uh, and it's sad to see some families get neglected. But then those people that you look up most to, uh, at least me, in ministry are the ones that are faithful in ministry and all their kids are, are faithful in the, the heart just uh, for ministry and the things of God that just moves to their children. Um, so it goes both ways. Some of the saddest is people that are really trying to serve God but forget their family. But then some of the neatest people that they look up to are all out for God and take care of their family and it just follows through with, with their kids. Um, so, yeah, we don't often know what results our, of our dedication will be. However, we each have been given daily responsibilities that we are to fulfill. God calls us to dedication to both menial and significant tasks, and it is only obedience that he requires from us. The results of our obedience are determined by God. All right, so we got... Point one, David's preparation. Point two, David's dedication. Point three, we got a, uh, oh, well, kind of, uh, we got our Russian word today. Nutella Livrev. That's a tough one. Start here. Close, 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 close. Revelation. Oh, did I? Yeah. Sorry. No, I might have added an A in there. But y'all know what I'm trying to spell, I think. Yep, okay. Not spelled right. Uh, yeah, I was thinking like reveal. Is that how you spell reveal? Yeah. David's revelation, revelation. That's a word. It was only after David's preparation and his dedication that God revealed His call on David's life through the prophet Samuel. First Samuel chapter sixteen, twelve through thirteen. God promises to show his children what they should do and when they should do it. One of the most powerful verses regarding the will of God is found in Genesis chapter 24, verse 27. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left me who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I, being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. I'm not sure if it's highlighted in your books or not, but in my book, the teacher book, it's, it's highlighted. I, being in the way, the Lord led me. As we follow God's leading as we are in the way, he leads us further. One of the hardest things to do as a believer is to wait for God's timing. Some areas in the Christian life are indisputably uh, for the present. God wants us to pray now, to witness now, to give now, and to faithfully worship and serve him in the church now. But other areas involve waiting on the Lord and then accepting orders from him. Psalms 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. All right, let's see here. 
Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, was too easy. <laughs> So you got it wrong. Ooh, and I spelled it right. Yes. Time after time in David's life, he waited for God to lead him. In this passage, we've seen him anointed as the next king of Israel by the prophet Samuel. Yet he waited, yet he awaited God's timing to assume the leadership. In 1 Samuel 17, 13 through 15, we see that he could have gone with his brethren to battle. But he stayed behind to feed his father's sheep until his father redirected him. Later on, when he could have easily taken the life of King Saul, he refused to lift his hand against the Lord's anointed. He would not take the throne by force, but he determined rather to wait for God's perfect timing. Christians today must be careful not to get in front of God, but rather to live in accord with the words of the songwriter, where he leads, uh, where he leads me, I will follow. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. We must learn to wait on God, for, like David, we often see, or we often need, the strengthening and preparation before we enter into God's call. All right, B. Do you already know this one? Okay, all right, cool. This one actually might be a little uh, tougher. Whoops. Wrong one. Answer God's call? Nope. Hold on, I'm going to write this one down here. Oh, got it. Yeah. Wow. How's it going? I was not expecting that to. <laughs> I spelled this one backwards. Yeah, I didn't want to spell bad word. <laughs> that one was like, yeah, that one, I don't know. Let's do that one backwards. Yes. In rhyming. Kids rhyming. <laughs> Can be humorous, though. All right. He accepted God's commission. There's a large difference between knowing what God wants us to do and ultimately doing what God wants us to do. When Samuel anointed David as king, David's life changed. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13 says... Uh, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. From that time on, David knew his destiny. He knew he accepted God's call and commission. Though he knew the uh, coronation would be for future, uh, would be in future, would be years in the future, he was willing to wait. But from that day forward, he reviewed everything differently. Christians need to realize that one of Satan's greatest ploys to pro is procrastination. Satan will try to get us to start soul winning next week or next month. Satan's goal, and that's with us. Uh, we'll uh, go talk to our neighbors about this next year, you know, or next month, or next holiday. Um, yep, that's, that's a tough one. Um, but Satan's goal for us is to start reading our Bible next year. Just as David, we, uh, we need to be eager to serve the Lord immediately with any task he calls us to do. Even as we are waiting on the Lord for the full plan to be revealed, we can serve now. So in conclusion, God will always call us to do his will. He made each of us for a purpose. It is our job to prepare and equip ourselves carry out his will for our lives, we must dedicate ourselves to focusing on God's will day by day. What specific tasks and ministries has God called you to do? How are you preparing yourself to do it? How dedicated are you to using what he has given you in, 
uh, in his service. Uh, illustration here, a Navy recruiting commercial states, the call to serve, it has no sound, yet I have heard it in the whispering, uh, heard it in the whispered retelling of honorable sacrifices made by those who have served before me. The call to serve has no form, yet I have clearly seen it in the eyes of men and women, infinitely more courageous and more driven than most. The call to serve has no weight, yet I have held it in my hands. I will commit to carry it close to my heart until my country is safe and the anguish of those less fortunate is soothed. The call to serve is at once in, invisible and always present. It is for those who choose to answer the call for their country and for their fellow man and for themselves. It is the most powerful force on earth. So we are, and we are called, we are chosen. Um, so that is uh, the end of our lesson we got a few minutes to look at some of the, the questions, study questions in the back. So question number one, list some ways David prepared uh, to fulfill God's will for his life. Those are the, the two big ones it has in here is he learned to know God personally and he developed his skills. Um, so yeah, developed his gifts in there. Alright, question number two. David, or how had David proven he was dedicated in his responsibilities while he was a shepherd? So how did he use his gifts? So he wasn't only just a... Um, <clears throat> Oh, it goes in there. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't just a hireling. He was dedicated to his flock and demonstrated this by putting his life on the line uh, for, his, for his sheep, killing a lion and a bear. Um, Something I noted, that I hadn't noticed before, is that when he went to take 10 cheeses over to his brothers, that he, he got somebody to keep the sheep. Yeah. It's kind of minor, but took responsibility and made sure he took care of that. That was interesting. Yeah, he didn't like totally. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. He didn't totally like, yes, don't watch the sheep no more. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> but it was important to him to find somebody to, to watch his sheep. So that, that was, that was yeah, yet another way that he showed he was dedicated uh, to his responsibilities. <laughs> so yeah so that kind of answers question three too they're kind of similar so question four list some ways David demonstrated patience as he was waited for God's timing to take the throne so list some ways David yeah demonstrated um, that he was being patient as he waited for the anointing and the take a Take the throne. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what did he do right after he was anointed? You know, like, oh, I'll go get my robe and my crown. I'm not. Hey, friends. Went back to his sheep. Yeah. Yep. All good answers there. Question five, what can you do today to prepare for what God may want you to do tomorrow? Can this, um, many answers uh, can come in here. Um, but yeah, one of those things kind of that we're working for, um, never know what the Lord has, but also uh, being in, in the choir for the, the Easter program, practicing for that, uh, prepping, developing, you know, again, we may not have a lot of talent, but it is something the Lord has given us, and, um, and we're working on it, and we're working for that, and then may that be something the Lord uses, and we put that effort, if we put that effort with the right heart, then we can know that the Lord will use it. Um, so many things there. 
Uh, also, yeah. Also, yeah, the other ones is just being faithful in the little things. Um, everyday little things. Sometimes they seem insignificant. Um, but even just, yeah, the day in, day out, we see that with kids. You know, those things really add up in kids' lives. You know, it's not the big things, but just getting them food and trying to be not let your temper go and dealing with them. Sometimes it takes a lot of time with dealing with them, but how important that stuff is. It's easier to let them do what they want to do or whatever, but that's those day in and day out stuff that the, that the Lord can really use. All right. Uh, uh, six, how can you de demonstrate the a an attitude of dedication for your service for the Lord again? That one can uh, vary as well. Anybody have some thoughts there? Number seven, when God calls us to new responsibilities, how are we to manage prior responsibilities? That's a good question. That's a tough one. That one where, that one. yeah, it's, can some people do it really well? And it's tough. Uh, so, yeah, if anybody finds the answer out to that one, let me know. <laughs> question number eight. What does God want you to do today? What do you feel like he wants uh, for you to do in the future? And that's kind of answering your own heart there. Yeah, another good question. And, um, yeah, so if, if then I'm going to come up and close. Uh, if you have any closing thoughts. Um, um, hopefully you're like this. I think it's good way to think about things. Whatever you, you do um, in life is just to kind of look at it through God's eyes. And uh, Mom and Abby, we've been watching a series called Road to Avonlea. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> On Prince Edward Island. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting, and the stories are good, but I, I look at the spiritual emphasis on it. And they have Methodists, and they have um, Presbyterians, and the argue between it. And then they had this situation where, uh, what's the scientist kind of guy? Jasper. Jasper Dale. Um, he's a really nice guy, you know, the character and all that, and they're just very kind and considerate. And, and then, but he got into the science thing. And uh, it was questioned about something about science, and he brought up Darwin. And I thought, you know, these people are religious, and, and they just married somebody who believes in evolution, you know. And uh, but was interesting to me is, and, and I know this is just a story, but it's it's pretty true, folks. That Hetty, who's a great educator, well, she came up with. Uh, day five, you know, <laughs> in creation, you know, and was battling that, but she, I, she couldn't battle it educationally. There was no, no battle of really of substance of where he was at at his level because she didn't know. You know, people are religious. They really don't know what they believe. We're all kind of like that. You know, kind of 
people are born into a religion or they just believe what people say. You know, one of my goals in this church and I'm asking God for is that we would really learn our Bible. We'd really know it. We'd be able to defend it. We'd be able to understand what people are thinking for the sake of not being know-it-alls or, or knowing things, but to lead people to the Lord, to shake up some of the, uh, the lies that the devils has out there. And it's going to take some work. And like, like John said, you know, we got to be dedicated. You know, it's just, so that was just some of the thoughts that I had. We really need to commit to this. It's going to take a while. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, we need to memorize some scriptures. We need to get busy with some things. Knowing this word of God, really understanding it, understanding what people are arguing about it, not to get caught in arguments, but there'll be some who we can talk to and, and, and maybe snatch them out of the out of fire. And so we're living in a day where, man, it is a confusing world and confused people. Um, I was talking to Bruce at the family get-together, and uh, he's a new new fellow. My sister Joanne is it's her friend. Okay. <laughs> so, but he watches all the TV shows and all the uh, all the revelation and the numbers, and he just on and on and this and the, this and that and this kind of, and we should know the the signs and. We know what's, you know, he's just lost in that, that world. And I'm listening, I'm just being polite. But it came to me, I need to be able to help people like that, who are just lost in, in, in what religion, and, and you know, it's exciting, you know. It's kind of like people who like science fiction, you know, I call it religious fiction, you know. They get into all this stuff, and they pull stuff out, and they, Imagine this and imagine that, and this appeared in the sky and it looked just like, and it's just look at the Bible where, you know, and they start putting all this in, and people are enamored by that stuff. And so uh, I just want to challenge you tonight hey, to be diligent, to know, know God's Word, uh, to know Him. That was the best point, is to really know the Lord and to have His leading and, uh, and have a desire in your heart to help people. And uh, we can do that. We can put our, put our nose to the grindstone. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this lesson. Just looking at David and some of the simple things that he had done in his dedication and, and how he sought you and how he was responsible and, and uh, how, how he was prepared to do a great work, which we will see even greater things. And so, Father, I just pray that we would have that same thoughts in our life, not to make church just a little piece of our life, but to, uh, to put ourselves into it, to help each other, to love one another, to do uh, what you called us to do here as a church and as individuals, Lord. And I just pray you'd uh, work in hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.